We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Mandak, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State Athletics. Well, hello and welcome into another Three Maw Pod. I am John Kurtz. Joined by Cole Manbeck, joined by Derek Young. We have regrouped here early in the morning. Uh, I had a very early morning out of Manhattan. Shout out to uh, the Bluemont Hotel, not a sponsor, could be, uh, for housing me last night. Right next to uh, Rockus Aggieville after K-State wins 83-82 in overtime uh, over the Kansas Jayhawks. And before, before I say anything else, before we get into our lovely sponsors, I just would like to say, this is an official statement from the office of John Kurtz. I do not condone anything that came out of my mouth from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. last night inside Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, Cole could probably vouch for some of that sitting a row in front of me, as was his child. I that is not. I am a man of, what was the Castellanos line? I am a man of character. Uh, I just, I do, I do not condone anything I said. What happens in Bramlage stays in Bramlage, okay? That's, that's my only message. Uh, 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday, Bottle and Bon Berman. I didn't even have any of it in me. You guys should have last night, and you should uh, moving forward as you support Holiday Distillery, who supports us. If you are a bourbon guy, check out the Ben Holiday Bottle and Bon Bourbon. If you like vodka, go to the 360 Vodka route. Both tremendous, tremendous choices. But uh, yeah. I, I do not intend to bring any shame on the great honor of Holiday Distillery and uh, what they do here for our pod. So when the officials stopped a fast break for Jalen Wilson casually limping on the other end of the floor, you know, I am not responsible for the things that came out of my mouth uh, after that. That's uh, let me just leave with that boys. Um, hopefully you guys didn't have any, any sorts of issues like that. You know, yeah, the funny thing, man, the KU fans and just in general, I think it feel like they felt like they were robbed uh, last night as well, just because of having three guys fouled out. There's that still icy floating around of Ishmael Masood potentially being out of bounds when he when he threw it back into Keontae to, to finish the game. But there's plenty of moments, you know, on the flip side that pretty much equal itself out. And that's when you have a fast break getting eliminated by the officials because of a Jalen Wilson injury. You, you address that injury after the play is finished or when 
there's not a clear sight at the rim that Marquise Noel had. And the fact that they didn't even force Jill Wilson out of the game. Like if he was so hurt, um, you know, I, I don't know how he got up so quickly. And when he did, you still have to leave the game when you stop the game. And he never did. Um, I think there was like there was one or two out of bounds calls that I didn't like that that went KU's way as well that I thought were the wrong call. There was there was a lot of good calls too. Um, my, I guess my complaint with the officials, if we're just going to tackle that subject right now, would be, and I know if there's contact, you got to call it. Man, there were so many whistles that it was just a very clunky last thirty to forty five minutes of real time. Yeah. 67 free throws combined by the two teams in the game. And uh, it, it basically became a free throw shooting contest down the end of regulation and in overtime. And K-State shot 79% from the foul line, 26 to 33, which was a huge factor. You know, look, at, at the end of the day, there were a lot of frustrating whistles really on both ends. And I think it it probably just evens itself out. There's a lot of missed calls on, on both ends of the court when you look back on it. Um, like I thought Grady Dick got away with so many hacks early on in the game, but then I look up and he's got one foul. Jalen Wilson plays 45 minutes and picked up his second foul with two minutes left in overtime. Uh, but also I'm sure that KU fans feel the same way. Like you said, DY on some calls. I think the Keontae, Keontae had two phantom calls whistled on him. Uh, that was very frustrating, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not here to, to really complain too much about the officiating uh, at the end of the day. What I will say is, could we get some damn referees that aren't in their 60s trying to keep up with high-level basketball? And that's not a knock on anyone listening that's in their 60s. Because when I'm in my 60s, I don't expect to be able to run up and down the court and keep up with a, a game like that. And you got guys like Jamie Lucky and Jerry Pollard that cannot keep up and run the court with these guys, with high-level athletes. And they're out of position to make calls. So please... Get younger at the officiating level. Wow. I'm not sure that I expected that's where we would be finding yeah, sorry, the podcast, but uh, <laughs> man, Cole, Cole bringing it strong, bringing it strong. I, If Kansas fans are going to whine and complain about Ishmael Mazoud being on the baseline, I give me more. Give me more. I'll take that. I, listen, I've lived through. I am a SPEE survivor. Uh, I would love it. If that's the Kansas vibe after this game, I want to see all the whining and complaining about the officials, baby. I'm here for K-State being the squad that gets the benefit of the whistle down the stretch, which, you know, ridiculous statement in and of itself since a little bit of fortune for Kansas with Keontae driving at the end of regulation there. I digress. I don't care. Keep complaining. Keep whining. I would love to see at Jail Kurtz. Send me on Twitter every single tweet that you see. I would love to see them all. Uh, all of them. Bring them to me. Before we get into the good stuff and and really how Kansas State went and won that game. I'll mention two moments where I thought they lost, right? I think that's a good place to start just to get it out of the way. One is, and this isn't Bill Self's fault, it's bad luck on his part, but he calls the timeout and eliminates the Jalen Wilson three that would have put Kansas up two possessions. Derek, 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 that is, that is a Hall of Fame coach you're talking about. That was an elite timeout. I don't know what you're talking about. You, I, I, how can, how are you going to come after Bill Self for that, man? They're just a tremendous, not, I, I, tremendous I, I, utilization of his elite Hall of Fame coaching skill set right there. And, it, and to your point, though, I'm actually not even going after him. He was trying to call that timeout for about five seconds before a referee was paying enough attention to him to give it to him. And the, by the time the ref made the observation that Self was called timeout, Wilson was hoisting the three. So that was as much on the referee as it was on Self. If they give him the timeout as soon as he calls it, 
Jell Wilson probably doesn't even shoot the basketball. So again, it really wasn't on Bill Self. The second one, we spoke about it off air, but uh, just when Naquan Tomlin grabs a great offensive rebound in overtime, I believe, mm-hmm. and just, you know, one of his, you know, airhead moments that he still has. Cause it, I, I use this metaphor a lot when it comes to Naquan Tomlin, but he's, he's still learning how to walk when it comes to basketball. Um, that's how youthful he is in his development. That's why you see a lot of good and a lot of bad, but he just, without thinking, he just throws the basketball without looking, without thinking and right to a KU defender. And, and at that moment, I thought that might, you know, seal K-State's fate as well. Well, as I told you guys, that was if, if those on the pod. You've heard the story of Cole talking about my reaction to uh, Malik Knowles in the Iowa State game where he gets the ball punched out at the goal line. And I just fell into a heap on the ground for like five solid minutes before getting up or saying anything. Similar thing happened after that pass. Uh, that pass happened. I hit the uh, the seat in front of me and just laid down on the bench. For the entire next possession, I think there was a foul then on the other end until I heard the whistle for like a foul. That was when I finally got up. But I was down down and out on the bench for like a solid, uh, you know, maybe minute uh, after that happened. So, yeah, I was very much in the same boat, very much in the same boat. I thought it was over there. And, you know, I, th- that is – if we're going to talk about this team and, and where they're at right now, I mean, the fact that they are 4-0 and in overtime, the fact that against Kansas they took punches like that where it just looked like the game was going to be over. I mean, you get the – incredible play at the end of regulation from Naquan Tomlin, speaking of Tomlin, to deflect the ball. And I was having – what year was it, Cole, that Wesley Awundu had that steal and dunk against Iowa State to, like, seal a win? I mean, I was, like, having thoughts of that where it just came out – you didn't expect it at all, came out of nowhere, and and then they don't get it, and you're deflated going into overtime, and they still, through all that, find a way to pull it off, man. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, like, the the amount of – toughness and character that these guys have yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. to trace that trace that all the way back to the lsu game you know when we first saw that and like this team's been able to carry that through the entire year yeah let's look at the west virginia game they bury a three on a lucky bounce that gets tapped out to send it to overtime k-state bounces back at overtime baylor hits a three down three to send it to overtime in a game k-state controlled in the second half k-state bounces back in overtime wins that game and then last night, KU threw numerous punches at K-State. And, and every time you felt like KU was going to pull away, you know, when they got it to you guys mentioned, 80 to 78, and Naquan Tomlin turns it over, and they've got a run out. They end up missing a three. But that's when you expect KU to, to get up four or five and, and basically put their foot on K-State's throat. And it didn't happen. And look, at the end of regulation, I got terrible flashbacks to 2010, John when Jacob Poland strips, it's a tied game at 79 and Jacob Poland strips Sharon Collins and throws it up the court to Dominique Sutton. And could you argue there was contact? Maybe, yes, no call. And then the same thing happens with Keontae Johnson. It, it, I mean, it was almost identical, just a little more time on the clock. And uh, it was nuts. What What is really crazy is that Bill self team didn't get a shot up at the end of regulation or at the end of overtime on their final two possessions. And that's coming out of a timeout. Uh, for Bill Self, that they weren't able to get a shot up at the end of re- at the end of overtime. There, credit to K State's defense, man. They, uh, I know there were some very frustrating moments, too many fouls, etc. Uh, but uh, they stepped up big when it really mattered. And you know, Naquan Tomlin really forced that steal, uh, him and Keontae at the end of regulation, and it was a huge play. And at least they didn't, you know, get it uh, get a shot up, and that was that was gigantic. So, 
Yeah, uh, that that's what amazes me, John, because it, it felt like a normal K-State KU game where K-State controlled for much of it in Bramlage. And I'm talking about in Bramlage, uh, where K-State handled them for a while and then KU made their run and, and K-State just couldn't recover. But this team is different. And I think one of the things that would be really interesting to stat is what K-State's uh, numbers are out of timeouts, like on inbounds plays out of ATOs, because I feel like they, I feel like they score seventy percent of the time, which is very Bill Selfian, you know. And, and and I love you know I mean the the end of the game the the alley oop to to Keontae, I love that Jerome Tang admitted this, and I you know I watched like four Tang interviews last night, like Scott Van Pelt, the one with Doster and Goodman, um, his radio interview. So I don't remember what part it was that he said it, but he did. He he said in there sometimes you got to give a guy like that, a taste of his own medicine, because I mean, that is a bill self move out of a timeout, needing a clutch basket. How many times have we seen them over the years, dial up the alley-oop, dial up the lob dunk and uh, Jerome Tang used the timeout, drew that thing right up. They didn't it, very little margin for error. Marquise Noel, who had a, a very bad night offensively throws a perfect lob and, uh, and Keontae stuffs at home debatably with a foul <laughs> as well. That was not called. Um, but it was just it was just tremendous, and and that is the shining example of it, obviously from from last night. Yeah, they they've called game on two lobs in the last three games over Oklahoma State and KU. You kind of took the words right out of my out of my mouth. I mean that obviously that play is going to live on for for quite a while. But I guess my takeaway from it is like I love you, Keontae, but the best thing about that was the pass. I mean the. The, the level of difficulty there was pretty high. And you can make an argument that Keontae wasn't the most open. I mean, Jalen Wilson has a lot of length, and that contributed to the window being pretty small. But Noel put the ball right through it. It's very very akin to, you know, if we're talking about, like, guys that will make difficult throws down the field at the NFL. You know, I mean, you're going to have some Alex Smith is out, Alex Smiths out there that won't, won't even make that pass, won't attempt that pass. But Patrick Mahomes will, and, I mean, he'll, he'll generally put it in that spot. And Noel – Noel's done it twice now. I mean, it was a super high degree of difficulty on the, the lob to Keontae against Oklahoma State, too. Uh, yeah. he, just, he doesn't care, man. Even on a night where, you know, he's going on his second straight game where he really struggled offensively, and and he still had the, the cojones to step up and make that pass. Yeah, and to his credit, even though he's struggling for the second straight game, and some of the credit has to be the way teams are defending him, too. For sure. Kansas is suffoc – they were suffocating on defense uh, – that's a really good defense. Oklahoma State was really good. Though it's it's hard to say which one was better, but both of those teams could really play D. Uh, not to take anything away from TCU, but I felt like K State was probably more self inflicted in that game. But Kansas, it was a lot more about what Kansas was doing rather than Noel just not getting it done too. But to his credit, and this is where I was getting, he still makes the play right there at the end of the game, getting the lob to Keontae. So he's not pouting, he's not sulking, and an interesting game plan, but it worked. I mean, he's guarding Grady Dick for most of the night. Um, uh, an interesting strategy. And for some reason, Kansas neglected to really post Dick up as much as they probably should have on Noel, even though he was making it tough even when they did. But he, uh, his defensive work last night set the tone for Kansas State on that end of the floor. 
Yeah, so a couple things here. One, it's it's very fun to have guys that can go up and dunk the basketball, right? And athletes to go up and make plays in that situation. You know what would have happened the last couple of years? A K State guy would have caught that ball, brought it down, and power dribbled, and then got it stripped uh, instead of just dunking it. And Keontae just gets up there over Jalen Wilson and slams at home. And there's a couple of great pictures, uh, freeze frames of of that dunk with him grabbing it with Wilson underneath him there that uh, I saw some people saying they're going to put their new background on their phone, you know, on the Marquise Noel subject uh, to what you said, DY, it was very interesting that they started the game with him guarding Grady Dick, who had about a one foot height advantage on him, but clearly his quickness had an impact on Grady Dick. You know, what was it? The second or third possession of the game, Grady Dick tried to put the ball on the floor against Marquise and Marquise stripped him and K-State got a run out. Um, Look, Grady Dick, went four of 13 from the floor and one of eight from three. It's his worst shooting performance from three on the entire season. So K-State did a wonderful job on him. Yeah, he probably missed a shot or two that that he would normally make, but K-State or KU overall from three, six of 29. They shot 21% from three. That's the third worst mark of the season for the Jayhawks. And what makes that even more important that on 29 attempts, which first of all, the 29 attempts, is ties for the season high for KU attempted from three. Uh, But also K-State holds KU a team that is 42% from three in big 12 play only. So that's a team that was the top shooting team in the big 12 from beyond the arc in big 12 play. And they hold them over 20% below their, their average in big 12 play. KU was also 38% from three on the entire season, which was tops in the big 12. So K-State did a terrific job guarding beyond the arc and fun fact here, guys, K-State in Big 12 games, six Big 12 games now, holding teams to 26% from three. That's the best mark in the Big 12. Iowa State is second in the Big 12 at 27%. The next closest team is third is TCU at 33% defending the three. I mean, some of that is a little bit of luck, right? You have to rely on teams to miss some open shots. But I remember complaints early in the year that K-State wasn't guarding the three well, and now they're the best three-point shooting defense in the Big 12. So, Credit to them, man. They got they got after it, and and KU wasn't able to knock down shots from the perimeter. Yeah, and when I will say this, uh, they have to do it for longer stretches, right? Um, the defensive intensity and, and operating at a hundred percent execution level to where it looks flawless and it's perfect out there. I think Kansas probably played that kind of defense a little bit longer than K State did, but. When K-State was clicking on the defensive end of the floor, it was a sight to see, right? Because there was like, I want to say it was about a five or six minute stretch where Kansas State's helping off the right guys, making the right rotations, taking away the the right shots, and forcing Kansas into the shots that they wanted Kansas to take rather than what Kansas wanted to take. And that's when you had, what, about a five minute stretch where Dejuan or Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller are just shooting jump shots from the outside and nearly shot Kansas out of the game because, I mean, those two, um, good players, but that's that's not their game, and they were lucky to hit the rim when they were hoisting those shots. Well, McCuller then stepped up and just bricked a couple of free throws too. I was like, boy, that guy. I uh. Now, you know, I'm not the biggest Kevin McCuller fan in the world, and that history goes back years. What he picked against K State. Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. With a little MTV Cribs video for uh, Texas <laughs> Tech. And then, you know, I just, the kids have the freedom to do what they want. I fully support that. But that, that doesn't mean that I don't kind of vomit a little bit at Tyrese Hunter and Kevin yep. McCuller and, uh, 
that trace Ford on the football side going from Oklahoma State to Oklahoma. I, I'm not a fan of that. So yeah, I'm not. I'm never going to be rooting for those guys. Jalen Bridges, right from West Virginia to Baylor. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Kevin McCullough looked rattled for a uh, an experienced guy like that. I mean, uh, he's a fourth year player that started a hundred plus basketball games, and I thought he looked rattled. And you know, he doesn't score in the game. <clears throat> you know, McCullough and Harris combined. And they're the fourth and fifth leading scorer for KU. They, they almost combined to average 18 points a game. They go one of nine from the floor, including one of eight from three, and score a combined three points. I mean, that, that was huge, too. We'll, we'll get into it, I know. But Kevin McCuller also hasn't seen Manhattan or Bramlage Coliseum like that. So he probably was just like, this isn't the Bramlage that I was expecting. Just part of Jerome Tang's point, and I know we'll talk about that. He'd like it to be closer to that every game. Yeah, you're you're not going to get quite that every game, but it, it can be close, and and has been that that way before in the past, like the not not so distant past. Also, we've made it uh, an awfully long way uh, into this podcast without talking about uh, my man Desi Sills, who put up 24 points yesterday. Uh, 24 points on seven of 11 shooting. He was two of three from downtown and eight of nine at the, at the free throw line. And I think the the thing that I loved the most about Desi and what he did in the game is the fact that he did get to the line and kept driving to the rim. Like there were times now he, he will still, he has a penchant for taking some step back threes that, you know, are frustrating to me at times. One of them did fall. Um, but then later in the game, he was passing up some of those and driving it, driving it, driving it, especially when things did get a little whistle happy uh, there later in the game. And then he stepped up at the line and hit free throws. So on a night where Marquise Noel was effectively taken out of the game because Kansas does a great job defending and they, they basically decided to take him out of the game. You had to have that kind of a night from Desi uh, to get it done. And uh, man, just huge, 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 huge. How, how big of an addition was that that K-State actually did get him in kind of at the final hour uh, and into the program and here this year because he stepped up in a huge moment. I think it's obviously huge. You guys know I've been on the Desi Sills bandwagon from start to f- not yet finished here. And uh, I always I always snap back at the people that get, get a little you know impatient with him because he does make you pull your hair out a little bit, and I get that. Uh, the step-back threes are, are, are part of it, although that, that's his game, too. He loves the step-back three, and he's pretty confident in that shot. I think he hit two of those against KU, actually. Um, no, and going forward, it's not always going to be Desi Sills, right? It, it's going it, it's going to have to be Cam Carter. It's going to have to be Ish, Bebe, whatever. And a lot of those role players had a good night against Kansas, don't get me wrong, but as they keep going forward, like teams know who your stars are. You're 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 figured out a little bit. They know who to take away. It's going to be hard for both Keontae and Marquise to both light it up for 30, like we saw at the beginning of Big 12 play, game after game. Like teams have the book on you. They're not going to let both of those guys go off. So another person has to against Kansas that was Desi Sills. I think for the most part, Desi will probably be that third guy quite a bit, at least needs to be, um, because he is the one that possesses the skill set to have that kind of firepower, right? Um, he just plays at a different pace. Uh, we had a debate up in the, the the press area, not for this game, but a past game. Is Desi Sills quicker with the ball than Marquise Noel? I mean, uh, Noel's really fast with the ball, but that, that just shows you how good on the ball Desi Sills can be. and. Cam Carter can 
is not as quick on the ball, but he, he can get to the basket. But there's no one besides Noel. The only guy that you can go to for kind of that skill set is Desi Sills, and that makes him pretty important. Um, you can take Noel off the ball a little bit from time to time, even if you don't take him to the bench. He doesn't have to be on the ball, and that, and that probably mitigates a little bit of the minutes that he has to play every night. I mean, he's, he's playing 38, 39 minutes each night now. So Desi Sills' value is only increasing, and he's becoming a better player. Let's not forget, like, Desi Sills has been in Manhattan for two and a half months. This dude got here late. So he's a guy that could bloom a little later, too, and we might be see, seeing the beginning of that. What, what I love about Desi Sills is he's so accepting of his role, you know, to come off the bench and to – he doesn't he doesn't force that many shots really and and uh you know last night he had to and he put his head down and he got to the rim and he drew a lot of fouls he ends up going eight and nine at the free throw line uh in fact on that topic Naquan Tomlin Keontae Johnson and Desi Sills a combined 21 or 24 at the foul line which was huge in the game drawing lots of contact I thought Naquan Tomlin we can get to him in a little bit played really really hard and got after it uh on the rebound again especially uh, but on the Desi Sills factor, he essentially replaced what Noel and Sills usually give them combined by getting 24 points on 7 of 11 shooting. You know, Desi's averaging 9 on the season heading into that game. Marquise is around 17, but you get 24 from Desi, and he makes up for Marquise having that off night. And what do we, what do we talk about, what, two pods ago? How it's a different guy stepping up, making plays on different nights, and this team – has had so many different guys step up and make plays. And last night it was Desi Sills filling the void of Marquise and really making huge plays and getting KU in foul trouble. I think Desi single-handedly fouled out Grady Dick. I mean, he was just going at him at the end of the rim and, you know, he was just getting to the basket and he's so tough and hard-nosed and physical and he plays so darn hard. Uh, Just really enjoy him. And, you know, you knew you had a guy that could play when he came to K-State because he played at a high level on an elite eight team at Arkansas. And I, I think D.Y. is right. I think this is a guy that's now finding his role within the team, getting more acclimated. And we always thought when he arrived so late, we said Big 12 play is when things might start to click for him. And it's, it's pretty uh, extraordinary that he was able to do what he did just arriving in, in October, just even in you know the non-con schedule to be productive and be on the court as much as he was. You don't see that often. So he's really accepted his role coming off the bench and, and given K-State everything that they need on any given night. If it's rebounding, if it's assists, uh, if it's distributing the basketball or, or taking big shots. And, you know, he struggled from three uh, very early in the year. Last eight games, he's 43% from beyond the arc. So he's making big plays. What's Jerome Tang always say? He's a winner. He makes winning plays. That's what he did last night. Jerome Tang loves Desi Sills. <laughs> yes. He does. And, he, you know, Oklahoma State game, all those winning plays. You've had Cam Carter, you know, step up huge in, in a win in Big 12 play. So, yeah, Naquan Tomlin obviously has had his moments. Like, outside of the Big 2, they're finding other guys who step up. And then before he got hurt, it was David Gasson, too, who, you know, has not played in what? That was before Christmas, the Radford game, the last time he played. It was like a week before Christmas. So, um, when K-State gets him back, I mean, what what can this team really be once once even he gets up to speed? That's another role guy that we've already seen capable of popping for 20-plus in a game. So this team is just coming along so much. Like, they hit that one kind of rough patch where it felt like they had plateaued in the non-con. But since then, it has just been a rocket ship of growth uh, for this team, which is which is amazing to see. And that's how you become a great team, and you can weather 
people taking out either Marquise or Keontae or, God forbid, they both have a bad night like they did in Fort Worth. Uh, all right, the, Jerome Tang's press conferences have uh, have drawn a lot of reaction. He was adamant once again, even after the game, and not what was a press conference, but a talking to everybody down on the floor. We'll we'll discuss that and what uh, what Tang is looking for out of everybody coming up next. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, we're back here on the Three Ma Pod. John Derek and Cole uh, Jerome Tang really got uh, got people talking with his rent free comment leading up to the Kansas game, saying that uh, the K State community lets Kansas live rent free in their heads too often. Uh, he has obviously wanted to outlaw the chant, and that that's still busted out there at the beginning of the game a little bit. Uh, and Tang intentionally led a KSU chant after the game and talked about doing it because of love for your team and what can be accomplished with love as opposed to hate and what typically goes into this K-State KU game. And I know that he was he was frustrated after the game about the fact that the chant happened. And you could even see, I was going back and watching some of the TV broadcasts last night. You could see on his face when the chant happened before the game. Like he was very bothered by it. But I, my message to him, if I could talk to him face-to-face right now, would be I, I know that – we're not all the way there right now. And that's a little discouraging to you, but 
there's been a dent made and the amount of progress that has been made in a short period of time with that is incredible. Like the chant has basically stopped outside of the KU game, which it was happening all the time before that. And he, he got that done in football season. And then last night, great atmosphere, very loud. I mean, it was awesome, but it did not have the same like edge of just boiling hate that it typically does. I thought the, the, the fat had been trimmed a little bit on that. Like some of that had been taken away. Usually you walk in there and it is just full on hate. Like it is just tangible, palpable. You can feel it in the air. Last night, you know, I mean, there was definitely some people were fired up, but it felt more on the the love side than it has on the hate side in a while. So I just, my message to Tang would be like, you're, you're, you're doing it, man. Just if you can, if you can have a little bit of patience with, with fans who have come by hate of Kansas, pretty honestly, in my humble opinion here, that this thing is moving in the right direction. It really is. I would agree. Let, let's tackle that part of it. Uh, my statement would be this. I agree. Uh, that was, it, it, and it didn't take away the environment. There was a lot less of that, but it didn't take away from the environment. So I think if he would have seen K-State home games versus KU in the last 15 years, he would probably feel pretty good about what last night provided in, in that respect. Because look, it's uh I'm trying to do the math here. I think that was my sixth K-State home game versus Kansas. And the chant was probably 15 times less prevalent last night than it yes. has in any of those other contests. Yes, it, it was. And just even I don't Cole, you and I talked about it like before the game. It just didn't have the same kind of feel for too. Yeah. It faded real fast even when it did come up. It just you, didn't you know, feel like things were boiling over. Yeah. Uh, so we got in there, what, like a little more than an hour before the game. And usually what you witness is the student section just harassing KU during warmups. And and I didn't get that same sense last night. Like they weren't going all out at KU. Like the boos, the boos were muzzled a little bit even more than usual yeah. when they would run on and off the court, the, KU. The only time I and, – and this is going to happen probably when, that, when this kid steps on the court anywhere, but was the DUI chance at Jail Wilson. That was the only thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's going to happen. Um, so yeah, that, uh, I, I, I do agree. I mean, I think it was muzzled a little bit more and, and I do think they're making progress, like getting rid of it for all the other games. That's a huge step. And that was always my biggest beef with it. Like, I think it's silly to chant it when you're not playing KU now, look, I, I haven't been that big of a proponent about outlawing it when they play KU. Like I just thought it was silly. The whole rent free thing really feels like it when you, you chant it, when they're not playing KU that that seems silly to me now when they're playing KU I just think you're gonna have a hard time completely shutting that out like I heard some students after the game last night at McDonald's in Manhattan when Brody and I were, were getting something to as we we're heading out of town they were like man I love Jerome Tang but I'm gonna keep chanting it uh till the day I die that was one student I heard say it so you're gonna have trouble getting some of them to stop but if you can get the majority it's gonna quiet it out to the point where it's really pretty much muzzled and yeah I, I think with some patience as he continues to win, this fan base is really going to listen to to what he has to say. They already are. So I, I think it'll be even more quiet and moving forward. And on the Field of 68 podcast that I listened to an interview with with Goodman and Douster and Jerome Tang, guys, uh, it, he, what he said made a lot of sense, Jerome Tang. like he, A lot of his point of emphasis on this is he wants Bramlage Coliseum to be like it was last night every game and make it an atmosphere and a place to go to that everybody in the big 12 and in the country fears. Because when you go to Allen Fieldhouse, you don't think you have a shot in hell of winning. 
Like you think something's going to go wrong at the end of games, even if you're in it. And that's what he wants Bramlage to be consistently is because it clearly has that potential. If you bring that type of energy every game, K-State is not going to lose many games in Bramlage Coliseum moving forward. Yeah, here's and that's perfect. And we can get into that now. And I know people are like, why is he taking – if you do – the whole love thing, right? You want to do it out of love and joy and not hate. Because if you do that – and I know we sound like we're in church right now. But if you do that, then you're not just going to pack it for one opponent because you're going to you love your team every night. Then it'll if you do it because of that reason, then you'll do that every night. So I understand that. And to Cole's point, in terms of whole court advantages – I just go back to even last year. If we're talking about a, a non-KU team trying to build that kind of home atmosphere, I wanted to go to Lubbock last year because they started to garner the reputation of having the top home court advantage in the Big 12, the loudest crowd in the Big 12, the best student section in the Big 12. I, I doubt that's the case this year because things are not going well in Lubbock. But I went to wanted to go to Lubbock so bad last year just to see that atmosphere and it, it delivered, right? So I think wanting to get that reputation is what he's really trying to garner and build in Manhattan. And yeah, he maybe exercised a little bit more patience, but last night his delivery, his message, the way he did it, jumping on the scores table um, and doing it with a more of a we kind of thing instead of a like what's wrong with you kind of thing. I think he just hit all the right notes last night. Yeah, agreed. Like that. that is just so much – so much easier for me to digest than, than, you know, in a press conference with the rent free or, you know, Barry Brown on, on Twitter, like bickering back and forth with fans. Like that's where it just, it's like a little bit to me. I will, I mean, you guys know full well, like I was frustrated. I was a little frustrated, even though I totally agreed with his message, just the way the timing and the way that it happened. Uh, I was just like, I mean, you're just kind of killing our vibe a little bit and it feels a little fan shamey. And so I, like he doesn't care what I think, and there there probably is an element here. I, I can hear it being argued back against me as I say it of like there probably needs to be some shock value to really get everybody's attention. Um, there is there is some value in doing that, but yes, I'm much more a fan and I much more much easier to get me fully on board hearing it the way that it came out last night as opposed to that that press conference before. So I don't. I mean, if he continues to win, he can come tell me I'm a loser to my face. Yeah. every single day and it's going to be fine um but at some point you're not always going to win and you do need to i we'll, we'll see how that plays out but i'm certainly feeling better about it than i was yesterday just like you know i got frustrated with the barry brown stuff and then they go out and beat oklahoma state and i felt better after that i mean so winning cures all is really the bottom line in all this winning cures all and tang even said that i noticed i saw the clip yes, that was my next point. where he said he said, look, I understood that that was a moment I needed to take on the scores table after the game because I hold so much. I, basically, my message will go so much further in the aftermath of a win. You know, when I'm winning, I've got to take advantage of that right now because that's how the message will resonate even more. I was going to make that last point is, uh, well, I actually want to make two points. First was that, right? It, he said, I, I realized that my message is going to resonate more when I'm winning. People are going to listen more when we're winning. So this is my platform, you know, wanted to take that. Secondly, I also love the finish there too, right? I told you we'd get you one court storming. Now expect to win. I think I like that too. Yeah, I love I love that ending right there. That, that really got the juices flowing. I love that he got on the scorer's table and did what he did. I thought that was the perfect moment to capture that. So 
yeah, I, I thought it was great. And I, I don't think I have a lot more to add on this, guys. I, I think uh, the message could be a little bit frustrating. I don't like saying rent-free in general. I, I hate that soundbite because that's what KU fans love to trot out is the whole rent-free comment always on K-State. So when Jerome, when Jerome said that, a lot of KU fans were texting me that I haven't heard from in a, in a while about, you know, stuff and using the rent-free comment. And so I would prefer to stay away from that comment, but I get what he was trying to do. And at the end of the day, he, he's trying to change the culture. Changing the culture takes a little bit of time. Uh, and he's making a lot of progress in doing so. And if he can get this, this crowd and these students to start packing Bramlage every single game, even on weeknights, if he can get all of the, the chairbacks full every night, no matter when the game is played on a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Saturday, this can be one of the best places in America and one of the toughest places to win in college basketball. And, and K-State's now 10 and 0 at home on the year. So they're making progress. And I, you know, there's a lot more sellouts coming this year and hopefully they bring that same energy Saturday against Texas tech. Cause that's a, that's a letdown spot and they'll need that, that lift from the fans. Yeah. I wanted to touch on that too. Like if you start to get that kind of buy-in and support, and I know it's not going to be a hundred percent what it looks like for a KU game, that that game's always going to be different. But if you start to get those other games creeping closer to that level, then you do start to build that reputation that Texas Tech essentially did through the Chris Beard and and to the Mark Adams era that probably you know through at least through last year and then you become that uh, you know place that is difficult to win. I mean, I remember last year after the game, Ish Masood said Texas Tech was a better atmosphere than Kansas. He said that, and that was Texas Tech playing Kansas State. I imagine they get up for other teams a lot more than Kansas State last year. So, and then I go back to, you know, last week when the press conference, Kansas State sold out for Oklahoma State. Not all the students were there yet, right? But you could see the reaction in a post game when they were asked about the atmosphere that Mike Boynton and the Oklahoma State players that were up there, they were kind of taken aback. They, because, you know, they hadn't seen Kansas State filled up that way. They, they don't typically, right, for Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas Tech's probably going to feel the same way. They're like, you know, we haven't seen this place. Um, this pack, this full, this loud. So getting that reputation built up, I think is important. You're starting to catch the eyes of your opponents that this is a vaunted place to play. And look, it, you know, Jerome Tang said it impacts winning. I think it did last night. Cole talked about it being a free throw contest. Man, the, the noise level of that crowd. Now, Kansas started to hit them after they probably adjusted their mental psyche a little bit. But those first handful of free throws, I think, Kansas started seven of 14 from the free throw line. I think those were affected by the crowd noise. And now you go back and you win by one point in overtime. Yeah. The crowd affected winning. No doubt. I think Jerome Tang said, you know, more like 15 to 20 points as opposed to the usual 10 points uh, that, that he says, you know, you can add to a game with the crowd. Uh, I'll just throw I mean, yeah, totally right. I think the atmosphere will be great the rest of the year. I think you're going to get back to, what it was like in the Frank Martin era when I was in college. I mean, it really was like most, most of the conference games, like it was, it was full and loud um, big 12 championship years. It was full and loud uh, for conference games. I, I think you're definitely headed back to that. Cha you know, chairbacks, you guys, you guys are allowed to stand and make noise too. You know I mean? That's that, that, that is something you can do. You are allowed to stand. I, I saw kind of a couple points, like guys like down in the first couple rows over on the, the opposite side, you know, like the coach Snyder section um, just try like, just, desperately wanting people to stand up and make noise. Uh, you, you guys are allowed to be a part of that. 
As the constant like standing and sitting in the last like minutes of regulation and overtime was kind of funny on that side because they're like, oh yeah, we got to stand up, but they keep wanting to sit down. So it was like they were getting their exercise over there. Uh, I think John and I in our section and my parents and Brody, we stood ninety nine percent of that game, right? Yeah. I mean, where we're in section seventeen, so the students are starting in nineteen, and so where they're stand, we have to stand anyways, and I'm totally fine with that. I was more worried could Brody see the game and, and he was able to stand on his bleacher and uh, be able to see it. So yeah, it, uh, it was great, man. It was, uh, you know, it, it's fun to win that game out. Look what it means and the rivalry moving forward. And, you know, Jerome Tang versus Bill self. I, I don't know, but uh, that K-State's got one heck of a coaching staff and uh, is building something pretty special. And, and look, K-State now, it doesn't sound great, but since 2008, they're 6-10 and 10 in Bramlage Coliseum against KU. And, John, that's a whole lot better than what you and I grew up with. So at least they're being competitive in Bramlage Coliseum in this rivalry, winning some of the games, and, and you'd like to see it closer to 500 or better. But they're taking steps, and hopefully they can more consistently win, win against KU. I have a question, uh, and then we can probably just take a peek at Saturday's game, um, I imagine. But – Hang on, D.Y., let's let's break. Let's leave yep. it. D.Y.'s got a question that's a huge tease. You guys don't know what's coming. I've even got a Brody story that I want to tell you guys on the other side, too. So, uh, so stay tuned. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. All right, back on three, Ma. You've waited patiently, waiting with bated breath. Uh, DY, what what is your question for everybody? So the, the media is right next to the tunnel now on that side of the court rather than the opposite side. And we had students behind us. I think that was section 25. I think typically it's right above the tunnel. Have, I've never seen the students, you know, wrapped around clear that far um, ever. They were the last row because uh, they go the rows up the rows uh, for media. The last row was like the KU writers. Uh, and they had the students right behind, behind them, asking them questions the entire game. So that was funny. But I've never seen that. Is, have they ever wrapped around that far? Yeah. Yeah. They have DY, uh, like the, the student section used to like 19 to 25, uh, was technically the section K state, I think has like 5,500 to 6,000 student basketball seats in total. Technically. Now they usually sell a lot of them as like GA just to the general public because they don't get wrapped around only the KU game. Is it like that? 
But what I will say, and I could see why you would think this, because the last two or three years, it has not been wrapped around like that. Uh, the Frank era, you know, it, it was. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's not that often that it happens, even against KU. It has on occasion. And D.Y., I think you guys had like half the football team sitting right next to the media and the it, band, it was, right? It wasn't even half the football team because the football team was also behind us and they were next to the band. They were kind of spread out a little bit. I bet 95 percent of the football team was there. OK, yeah, I saw I saw a lot of them like right next to the band over there. And then I saw some of the incoming freshmen. I think I saw Jordan Allen on the concourse. Uh, yeah, a lot know, of the incoming freshmen were there. I we have. I had Will Howard screaming at me at the end of the game in overtime uh, towards me and Flando. He's like, "Dy, stand up!" I was like, "I don't know." Uh, so. <laughs> I love the energy. Will was Will chanting FKU? I don't. I don't. <laughs> Him and Cooper BB and Hayden Gillum were all next to each other, I believe. Uh, that's awesome. I love that. No, that was that was great to see, man. I saw some of the pictures uh, of the crowd shots of those guys. Uh, Sterling Lockett, I saw, was proudly displaying that uh, he. he screenshots of his snapchat where he was he said basketball school you know as everybody was <laughs> they uh, rushed the, I mean, the football, football players rushed the court <laughs> oh I, I don't doubt it man go get it go have fun go have fun a uh, couple of uh you know a couple of like rush the field moments for them this year just recreating what they did in uh in arlington after ty zentner won the game which brody Manbeck has been in attendance for both of those that kid is living a pretty charmed life uh <laughs> as a as a k-state fan growing up and experiencing this but I got to tell you the story. So last night we're, we're hanging around for post-game radio. And so it was like me, Cole, Cole's parents and Brody were like sitting up talking in our seats and we're, we're listening to Tang, listening to Tang. And all of a sudden at one point the conversation just breaks and Cole just goes, where's Brody. And I looked around and I got terrified for Cole for a second because I looked and I was like, dude, he is not here. Like where, yeah. I, he is not here. Where did this kid go? Like this whole time we were just talking, he was like right in front of us. We looked down. Brody had gone. It was like as if he he was angry with us for for having a conversation during Jerome Tang's post game interview because he had gone like ten rows down and was just sitting by himself, like intently looking across the way at Jerome Tang doing his post game radio interview. So he just like broke away from everybody, bailed on all the adults talking uh, to to more clearly hear Jerome Tang in his post game. Uh, yeah, post game press or post game radio broadcast. It was freaking great, man. That kid is going to be a monster. Yeah, it was, he's, as, he's as invested as they come at that age. Jeez. Yeah, my my heart sank for a brief moment. Like I looked and I was I could not find him. And there, you know, I was like, he never leaves my side usually. And so uh, I look, we look down, and yeah, the way he's like sitting too. He's got his arm around like the other chair back, his leg yeah. crossed, and he's just listening to Jerome Tang ten rows down. And I asked him in the car, I was like, why'd you go down there? And he goes, you guys kept talking. I couldn't hear Coach Tang talking. And I wanted to hear what he said. And I was like, well, you're right. Like, we were talking. We weren't listening necessarily to the post-game radio. And so he wanted to listen to that. So, yeah, man. he's he, he So he's gotten to storm the field against Oklahoma State in football, a top 10 win. He was there for that. He got to go to the Big 12 championship in football and see an overtime win. And he got to go out on the court last night for an overtime win against KU. You talk about living a charmed life. That kid is, uh, he's not, he doesn't have the reality check that I had as a kid uh, with some of, some of the going, things. That, yeah. He's going to be a spoiled little fan. He's, <laughs> he's going, he's going to be, I mean, when adversity strikes and, <laughs> and, and this charmed 
uh, run ends, he's not going to know how to react. Yeah. He also wanted to go shirtless last night. He went to take his jersey off. John saw that. Like, he was like, I want to go shirtless. Like, he's going to be a kid that paints his chest probably at some point. So, oh, gosh. Yeah. I'm, a, I, I'm not a believer in those. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, Texas Tech is 0-6 in the Big 12. Are we feeling more uh, Tech is going to come in desperate, like absolutely desperate wounded animal kind of thing, or has Tech has Tech packed it in? 0-6 is a pretty tough pill to swallow. They And they have had so many off-the-court distractions. you got to think there's some mental exhaustion there as well, although they do have Fardaw's AMAC playing now, and he certainly makes them a little bit more potent and talented. Um, he's a handful to deal with, probably a little bit of a mismatch for K-State if they don't have, uh, you know, David Gasson and are still trotting out, you know, or still thin in the front court is what I would say. And, yeah, but with that being said, like I said, they are probably mentally exhausted from everything that they've went through off the court. On the court, they're being dealt – a lot of adversity and a lot of negativeness. I thought, as you you know alluded to, I thought their last stand kind of desperate hurl was against Texas when they had the Longhorns on the ropes and only to lose late. Um, how do they get off the map for that? To their credit, they didn't get blown out by Baylor, but then they lose to Baylor. But now you got to go on the road all the way to Manhattan, Kansas for a weekend where maybe you'd rather not be there. I I just, I'm not confident that we're going to, that Kansas State's going to see the best Texas Tech. And it's probably a great thing for K State because teams have a hard time bouncing back to their optimal level of performance when they have a week like Kansas State's about to have, right? When everyone's telling them how good they are, they have the emotional court storm, you know, the, you know, just, beating KU that that feels differently in the K-State community than any other game so th that's a hard game to respond with your 100% optimal performance so it probably does help that I don't think they're going to see anywhere near Texas Tech's best either yeah yeah I don't know where Texas Tech's mindset is now like you know if they would have won that game at Texas last Saturday got that first big 12 win I think that could have shifted things for them but then dropping a game at home right after that being 0 and six in the league I just don't I don't see how they bounce back at this point now I'm not saying they're not going to give K-State a huge fight on Saturday I think I think they'll still challenge K-State and they can ugly a game up and that'll be their goal is to, to make it ugly and low scoring um, and probably slow the pace down and so I, I think it'll be a tight game, but uh, yeah, this is a, this is a tough stretch for tech. I, I don't see any way they can make the tournament at this point because I don't even think they have a quad one win guys. Uh, I think their high, I heard their highest win was like number 140 uh, either in Ken Palm or in, in the net ranking. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make them. They still have a couple good players. O'Banner's good. Harmon's good. And then, you know, you mentioned Fardal's Amik. He was one of the top five transfers in America. Do you as you know, 18 and 13 at Utah Tech, I think, when he transferred in. So, you know, he, he's getting back into shape for them. But I, I, K-State just needs to bring the energy. I think it helps that the KU game was on a Tuesday, not a Wednesday. They get an extra day to kind of regroup. And uh, I think the culture that Jerome Tang has built and and the way that he handles things and going 1-0 and and getting better every day, I, I think that they'll be prepared. 
and they won't take any game for granted. And, and they know this league is a bear. What I will say is, how about Baylor? I mean, right after K-State beats them, Baylor's now won three in a row. We knew that DYU said it too. They, they would come back. And that that win's looking better and better in Waco. So, yeah. And, and we're talking about the Big 12 a little bit. I was like, Texas wins looking better and better. But the, the whole Tyrese Hunter storyline, Iowa State was pumped for that game last night. And it sounded like Ames was a little Manhattan-y, a little octagon of Gumi last night for the Tyrese Hunter homecoming. And yeah. they got the Longhorns. Yeah, K, uh, Baylor has climbed to 16 in the net now, and you got a so you got a road win at number 16 in the net, and a road win at number 11 in the net in Texas, and you got a home win against Kansas, which is number six in the net. It's one of the best resumes in college basketball. And quietly, that win over Nevada in the Cayman Islands is just a huge win for K State. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're 34th in the net, and since it's on a neutral floor, as long as Nevada. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah, doesn't, yeah, they, they got to stay in the top 50 of the net. They lost to Boise last night at, on the roads. It didn't drop them too much, but, uh, as long as they can stay up there, that would keep K-State at five quad one wins. Actually, th this shocks me guys. West Virginia is still 29th in the net. So it's technically still a quad one win, uh, because it's top 30 at home. And if they stay in the top 30, it'll stay that way. But yeah, it uh, K State is now five and one in quad one games, including West Virginia. Last up, uh, another observation for me is I would consider the the three most talented teams in the Big Twelve to be Kansas, Texas, and Baylor. Kansas State's already beat both all three. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that last night. I was like, do you put TCU in there? Like that's the Before, only one. But do I, yeah. I would I would have TCU. I mean, getting K State credit at this point. I think it's Kansas, Texas, Baylor from a talent standpoint, and then. K-State, TCU, Iowa State? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's a, like Iowa State doesn't have as much talent as that group, but they, man, they they can defend and they're, they're they playing basketball. Yeah, they, they find a way. Um, uh, By the way, apparently I, I was reading on Twitter that the I guess Iowa State's also trying to do the same thing Jerome Tang and K-State are because supposedly they were going to kick out any student that used the word Tyrese uh, at the game last night. So I don't know. But they threw Monopoly money up there at, at some point in the student section, which, you know. Decent, decent little touch uh, from the fans there. I, even saying the kid's name seems like that. That seems like even more overreach. Not, not that the K State thing is overreach, but I, I don't know. I mean, K State was chanting DUI at Jalen Wilson, and they're not trying to eliminate that. Yeah, that, that's that's stretching too far to to try and block saying the kid's name. So, I mean that that's getting ridiculous. I don't even know how you control that, but uh, I digress. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, guys, do we need to start having a, a discussion around Big Twelve title contenders after this win? I mean, get, given who K State has beaten, they, like they I haven't let Saturday. myself get there. Win on Saturday. Yeah, wait till they win. Yeah, if they can beat Texas Tech, then you know, be six and one in the Big Twelve. You're, then that Tuesday game comes huge. It's an Ames. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh God, this conference, man. This, I mean, it's the meme. <laughs> It's the meme. This league. This league. Hey, oh, uh, John, you, you um, both of you, you guys like the solid verbal. So just beat KU. You got Iowa State on Tuesday. Tech's having a bad year. It's almost that let down, look ahead sandwich, right? It is. It is. I will say the 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 good the thing that I comfort myself with about the Tech game is because honestly, like I, I mean, I'm concerned about it, even though they are zero and six. Like they they They're absolutely talented. win. They're, they absolutely could win. They do have some pretty high-level talent. Um, they're not that far removed from being a, a really good team. 
So there's some championship DNA still still rolling around there. But it, the fact that it's a home game and it's it's going to be the first Saturday conference home game that, that, that this team has had this year. Like you're going to get – you will get a good crowd. I know the Chiefs game being after, there's a little bit of concern about that. But I, I think you're going to get a very good crowd. People are going to be juiced, and the team hopefully can feed off that energy. I, I, I picture a game similar to the Oklahoma State game. To, to be honest, on, on Saturday. I think that's fair. And I don't think any of those Texas Tech players have probably seen the octagon of doom the way that they will see it on Saturday, too. So that might be striking to them at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, how big was last night from a publicity standpoint for the program? And well, had, had Powerful, right? I mean, it's I mean, Twitter is still viral. And Credit to Jerome Tang, it's also more and more viral because he put a more of a spotlight and in camera on it by doing what he did after the game. Yeah, and I, and well, you know, going on, he went on with Van Pelt. Like you know, yeah. I was watching Sports Center. It, it it helped that it was it was not like a super busy sports night or anything. Um, I mean, yeah, you had lots of people, uh, lots of people watching the game last night. And interesting because I've kind of also been looking at like the quote tweets and the comments of all the videos and the you know the viral sensations of what Brainwich Coliseum looked last night. You do have the Kansas fans who, ironically, because they could say K State is rent free now, they are appearing rent free because they're saying, "Oh, look, it's their Super Bowl." You know the the comments that you would expect in the aftermath of that. But then you have fans just from all kinds of teams across college basketball saying. We wish we had an atmosphere like that. Yeah. Well, Rob Douster of the Field of 68 said after the game that uh, on their their podcast, which is one of the better basketball podcasts out there, and he's been all over the country, he said that the end of that game was the loudest he's ever heard an arena in his life. So it's great publicity for the program. You love that different people come into Bramlage then and get that feeling. So it starts to develop that reputation uh, from some of those national media guys. And, John, you're right, SVP – had Tang on ESPN radio, the field of 68 guys had Tang on um, your leading in highlights on sports center. It, it's great publicity. I mean, look, K-State's been on sports center a lot this year because all the top 10 plays too, like this is starting to develop a reputation. You want to have some fun, come to Manhattan, Kansas, play basketball. And I think it's big. I, and we talk about football TV ratings all the time. I'll be very curious what the basketball ratings were for an overtime game against two top 15 teams in a rivalry last night. I don't know where we can find that when that comes out, but I, and I know basketball ratings are lower than, than football, but I'll be very curious what the number draw was for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm about, uh, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm about to uh, talked out here at this point. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm tapped out. Now I get to go, uh, you know, work an entire uh, work day. What a life. Well, um, just yes. think about rewatching the game tonight, John, when you get home, you know, I, I think, I don't think I slept last night. I, I just laid there with my eyes closed, but I just kept thinking about the moment. So uh, I'll, I'll rewatch that game tonight. All right. Well, we hope you uh, you all enjoyed this pod and enhanced your enjoyment of the victory last night. Uh, hell of a ride! It was it was a blast. It was a blast. Celebrate with some three hundred and sixty vodka, some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. As always, we appreciate Holiday Distillery for their support of the podcast. Thank you to Jed Marshall uh, behind the scenes for Derek Young and Cole Manbeck. I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another three mod. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN.
covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.